ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Evening Jumps. Some of you know, I used to live in Miami, right? I lived in Miami. I enjoy living in Miami. And you know when I really enjoy living in Miami? I really enjoy living in Miami in January. Because it'd be like 70-something degrees. It's not 70-something degrees here, folks. It's not 70-something degrees at all. Let me tell you something I did the other day. You ready? I think it was right around when the new year came. You remember that? You know what I said to myself when the new year came? Well, at least it'll be March soon. Like, that's already where I am, right? Like, I'm already at that place where I'm, like, trying to look forward to what could possibly come. Now, we are recording this on the evening of January 17th, and they say it might snow tonight. Maybe not. It might snow on Saturday night. Maybe not. The whole winter storm got a name. I got to be honest with you. It wasn't until I moved here that I knew winter storms had names. I thought we reserved that for hurricanes. I thought that was a particular respect we gave to that, you know, natural disaster. No, dog, they got the names for them here. I don't even know what this thing called, but this thing is supposed to come. And, you know, this is where it kind of stinks to have a job that doesn't have that work-from-home option. It's not, it's not there. My options are to take the subway or spend like $50 and catch a car. And we work on water, man. Let me tell you something. Working on the water was a lot cooler in Miami than it is here. Because in Miami, it was cool. In New York, it's cold. It's cold, I tell you. It's cold. But you know what? During this time of year when I lived in Miami, I sent you guys pictures from the balcony. I wanted to give you something to aspire to. I want you to realize there was something for you to hope for. Who knows? Maybe I was a double agent for the Miami City of Commerce, and I was just trying to get y'all to go buy packages. I have no idea. So I resolved when I moved here, I really wasn't going to do no whole lot of complaining about the weather. And to be honest with you, I don't really do no whole lot of complaining about the weather. I can inform you, though, that one difference between being cold in New York and being cold other places is I ain't got no car. So, like, is you is built for you to be in it here in a way that like it's different. It's different. You spend more time amongst the elements uh, when you're down here. But see, the thing about working on water, man, I got like two different weather systems. I'd be coming out of my crib, walking down the street, going to the subway. But like, hey, you know what? It's not so bad. According to like my new concept of what not so bad is, you know, like 35 degrees. Like, oh, it's not so bad. Right. Man, I get up out there holding the ground down there by the job. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, why does my face hurt? Yeah. Uh, anyway, before we get to your questions, uh, you guys may have heard it was a pretty big McDonald's related story going on this year, you know, this week, you know, the thing where Clemson went up to the White House and they were treated to a elegant fast food uh, smorgasbord. Um, 
I talked about this on like the ESPN stuff. This kind of goes to sports, so I ain't gonna really do it here. But I will tell you, some guy was in my mentions and said that he listened to the podcast and he said that I did 20 minutes that were somehow non-political on that. And I'm like, yo, what in the world is political about eating a Big Mac in in the in in the White House? That ain't got that ain't that that really ain't got nothing to do about it. It wouldn't matter who the president was on that one, man. We'd be clowning, and by we, I mean me. We be clowning. Uh, but anyway, that got me to think, and I don't remember if I told y'all this, but I went to uh, Portugal uh, during the summer. It's a lovely land. I recommend it. I went to Lisbon. I went to some little town called Lagoa. I enjoyed both of them immensely for different reasons. I recommend you give it a try. Anyway, I was in Lisbon, and it was kind of late at night, and I wanted like something sweet, but it was a Sunday. So I guess, you know, people were shutting down early and stuff. Like one thing to note about Lisbon, I didn't realize this till this sporkle quiz I was taking today. Lisbon only got a population of 550,000 people, you know, so this ain't no like super, you know what I mean? Like, like this ain't New York with somebody going to be open at all times. And I just really, really, really wanted something sweet. And I couldn't find anybody that had anything open. And I looked up and you know what I saw? I saw three things. I saw food. I saw folks. I saw fun. That's right. Gold notches. They everywhere. And so, I mean, I was far from my native land, but I imagine that all over the world, they must have what I consider to be the best buy in fast food, which is two McDonald's apple pies at some very low price. So I went to the McDonald's and I knew there was a McDonald's close by because I saw a sign that was advertising the McDonald's. Hey, what they were advertising at the McDonald's is like the special. Cause you know, they always got to find a new way to get people to buy new burgers, Right. And so they always want to try to come up with some new flip on the burger. And they like to very often do that according to some notion of geography. And so the, 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 the special burger that they was trying to get you to, to rock with in Lisbon was the Miami burger. Yo. What the hell is a Miami burger? Like it had like the Miami colors and everything. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Have they been like telling some, a lot of people overseas that there's some like fancy burger for Miami. My dollars out here telling people every, anything. Like, I don't feel like they could be, they could fool us like this in the United States, but they had me wondering what other kind of lies that they out here overseas telling people. I am very, very curious. Yeah, that's a great question. Somebody come from Portugal to be like, yo, where can I get a, a, one of these fancy Miami burgers? And they're like, have you considered McDonald's? And then they go, well, what do they find out? It's quarter pounder ain't shit, but a quarter pounder. Anyway. Let us move on to your questions. 
Dude, the people who are comparing the new Cardi video to Tip Drill not remember Tip Drill. Okay, so there's this new video. It's called Twerk. Um, and it is, what, is, is Cardi B and the City Girls? I don't really know that much about the City Girls, to be honest. Like, I have a, a, a passing familiarity, or like the idea of who they are. That's probably the first one of their songs that I had ever heard. But I listened to it. Um... I mean, if I'm being honest, I kind of listened to it. I was watching the video, right? But the song was on with the video. Anyway, and so what they said was that they did a social media campaign to, like, find the best twerker. And so the video is nothing but women, and they doing it. They doing it in various ways. I enjoyed it. I found it to be aesthetically pleasant. It's probably the best way that I could put it. Now, I was on the Twitter, and I sent a tweet about that, and I said the only thing that that video was missing was somebody pretending to play the sax. Now, I understand that that is a fairly generationally specific reference that I made, and I also feel like you have to admit that's a great line. I got his credit. That's a great line. Like that to me, like Rump Shaker is probably the video that is most comparable because I don't know if you noticed, it was a lot of shaking rumps. That's what it was. Now, a huge difference, obviously, between uh, the Rump Shaker and the City Girls joint is the reason why the City Girls joint cannot be uh, tip drill is that this City Girls joint is like all women kind of kicking it and twerking something. I obviously don't have, like, no firsthand experience with what women do when it's nothing but women, because by definition, if it's nothing but women, I'm not there, right? But kind of like, I guess... Like, dudes my age, like, we used to get together and, like, freestyle. They'll get together and twerk. Okay, cool. And that's kind of what they would do. Tip Drill is absolutely, like, those women in the Tip Drill video are ornaments. They are, like, no different than the rappers' chains and headbands and stuff. It's It's about... It's about something else. This video is entirely about those women. Tip drill video, ultimately, with women there, is about those dudes. And that is a huge difference. Somebody mentioned the uh, credit card swipe, which, yeah. There's a lot going on there um, in the tip drill video. Like, I actually have not watched it in a really long time. I am curious to know how I would feel about it with what I guess I could term some of my evolving um, sensibilities. Somebody said the last time he saw it was when he was 14, and holy smokes, I feel old. And so this dude says he got Nelly banned from performing at some colleges. I never saw anything about Nelly getting banned from any colleges uh, behind Tip Drill, but I do remember he wanted to do a bone marrow drive at Spelman, and... 
the women there were like, yeah, okay, we'll do the bone marrow drive, but we kind of want to holler at you about tip drill because that was kind of, yeah, that was, that was mad extra, yo. Like, we'd like to have a forum where you discuss this. And rather than go discuss it, the dude just canceled the, the marrow drive. Man, I, I, that ain't really a strong move there, dog. All right, appreciate that question. Let me see what else we got here. How mad would you be if you had to come back to work and do people's taxes for free? Now, you know, I kind of try to stay away from that, what, what they call politics, because, you know, why? Um, anyway, we got a government shutdown right now, okay? The, government, the federal government is the largest employer in the United States. This is hitting a lot of people's lives. There are political reasons that get us to why there is a shutdown, but I ain't got to talk about those. What I can't talk about is something that's a universally relatable thing, which is some people got these jobs that require them to like go to work, uh, even though they are not getting paid. So like, if you notice that TSA has been a problem, people just kind of walking off the job at TSA. My read on that is I don't get the feeling that the people who work at TSA are trying to work their way up and have like longstanding government careers. That's just job that they got right now. And if that job ain't paying, then they got to go somewhere and find some other job. But there's a whole lot of people that's out here, man. They've been working at whatever government agency. They work out for however long, and they've been working up, you know, getting a pension, you know, trying to get that pension, you know, all that kind of stuff. They're not in a position where they can sacrifice all that stuff right now. They just got to find a way to hold it down, okay? Uh, anyway, the IRS had a lot of people that they didn't have out there working, and apparently they put out an order to get those people in there to start getting these taxes filed because a political observation no matter how you feel about this government shutdown, you probably ain't going to feel nearly as good about it if you don't get your tax refund. All right. So they're going to have people going back in there to do that. And look, I'm look at Listen here, man. Um, people. And actually, let me be fair here. People who work at the IRS. A little nicer than you think. Like, if you had to call the IRS behind some business, they can be a little cold, but they're not really, like, they're not, like, mean, real bad people, necessarily, okay? They need to get more phone lines in there, though, man. Ain't no reason you to be on hold as long as you be on hold calling the IRS. And let me tell you something. You don't really, it's, it's hard to feel comfortable when you're on hold with a phone call with the IRS. Uh, but anyway, I can see it going one of two ways with this. So let's say you file a return that's got like some stacks of pages and stuff to it, right? There's somebody in there doing them taxes and they're not getting paid. Are they more likely to be a jerk to you about it? Or are they more likely to be a jerk to their bosses about it? Which is to say, are they going to go through your return with a fine tooth comb and make your life harder than it has to be? Or are they just approving everything? Ain't nobody doing no double checking on your situation. It's about to be the most pleasant taxpaying experience some people have ever had. I suppose that sort of thing is possible. I don't know what it is, but I don't. I would prefer that the people that are working my account uh, for the IRS to not be uh, adding any no. No. 
Don't complicate the situation. That's what I would hope for. I guess it might be a person by person basis. Who knows? There might be some people in there who just straight up love their jobs. I got no idea. But a political observation. This thing is going to end if something happens. Right. It's going to be a thing. So basically the equivalent of when they had substitute teachers as the referees in the NFL and then they had that play with Green Bay and Seattle, the interception that wasn't really the, the interception. And it's like, okay, this got to change. Appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. If Soldier Boy didn't create the blueprint of sorts of sorts for rappers to effectively leverage social media and digital music sales, who did? Delivery and general antics aside, I don't think his claims are a reach. Yo, that's the thing about Soldier Boy. Uh, I remember Soldier Boy got in that beef with Ice T. And wasn't Soldier Boy like 16 years old or something like that when that was going on? And that is now like, whew, like 13 years ago. Um, but the kid made a point. And at the time, he was like legitimately a kid. He's like, look, man, I made this money. I got my mama up out the hood. I'm doing this myself. Like, why are y'all getting on me? And the reason that like he was getting on him, because he wasn't really a very good rapper. You know, but what he did, though, if we being real, he created a phenomenon, man. Like that, that, that song was a legitimate phenomenon. It was all over the place. Like that song rocked the world and he couldn't rap, but it worked. I mean, it, it displays a certain, it displayed a certain sensibility. And as people point out, you have to remember that that was an era of ringtones. And so he was getting his bread off that. I mean, he, he did it. Then he had his little kiss me through the phone song or whatever. Now I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know anything that he has done since then. I have no idea, but I do remember when somebody told me that he did the beat for that song. I mean, I imagine if his money was handled, oh, he did do the turn my swag on. I didn't like that either, but dude, he had his little run. He had his little run. He seems to have held on to his bread and he did it with hustle. Yeah. Like what he did and how he managed to get himself on. Yeah, man. Like a lot of these other cats got to look at him and be like, yeah you kind of started this gangster shit in a matter of ways. And that, of course, obviously is a separate discussion from how good you do or don't think he is as a rapper. But no, he figured it out, you know, using the new means and the new tools. He figured it out. I've never really begrudged him of anything. Problem is, and this is where rap becomes interesting, because in rap, we respect our businessmen in a different way than they do across the board, at least when we talk about the music itself. And so what I feel like you kind of have here is soldier boy kind of wants to be respected in the way a great musician is respected. When the respect that he really gets is one as a great hustler and that merits a different level of respect. Like, 
I view Barry Gordy and Master P differently. That makes sense. In fact, I'll take another level. I view Master P and Baby of Cash Money differently. Because I think the ba- like Baby gets music for real. Master P had a hustle, like a hustle of some cats making beats for a run. But like in terms of somebody as a record label guy, like a, a, a music executive, Baby is a like Baby is a legitimate legendary figure in the mold, by the way, of lots of other legendary figures in ways good and bad. But I respect that in a different way. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. Will the 2020 Democratic primary and general election be the thing that finally gets you to leave Twitter as I think it might be for me? That is a very interesting question. This is the question I want to ask about the 2020 election as it comes to how we're going to discuss it or anything else, right? Because I have, like, for years, I've been somewhat judicious about how I chose to talk about things that were matters of politics for a range of reasons. But anyway, um, what I always did was just kind of focus on the jokes. And, you know, before things got real, the 2016 election, like primary was pretty hilarious. Right. When it was like 12 of them, you know what I'm saying? When it was looking like the first episode of the season of the, uh, the Bachelorette or whatever. That was that 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 was pretty funny. Now, it didn't stay funny after a point, but there was room for us to have jokes. Uh, the Democratic primary didn't really afford us that because it only had like for real two people like it was Hillary and Bernie and then that Carcetti dude. But they got him out the paint pretty quick. It's going to be a whole lot of people running for that Democratic nomination. And I just want to know, are we going to be able to tell jokes? Like, is there going to be a corner somewhere where there's going to be room to get some of these jokes off? Because if there is, just like, let me know so I can go to that corner. Like, maybe we can go to that corner by ourselves. Like, is there a safe space that exists for me to be able to just tell these jokes? These jokes that ain't got nothing to do with politics, right? Just jokes. Somebody said jokes and name calling. What are you, Def Gino? I said jokes. I just want to laugh. All right, there's going to be serious stuff that's going on, but I ain't got to talk to y'all about it. If I could somehow figure out a way to get this to where it's, it's some jokes then we can do it. I just don't know right now if, like, these are the times where people are going to be in a position where they can, like, legitimately handle jokes. I don't I don't get that feeling. Like, let me ask you a question. You hear that? You, hear that, you ever heard a joke about Kamala Harris? Because I haven't. Ain't no time for jokes right now for people. We used to have a lot of Joe Biden jokes. When's the last time you heard one of those? Uh-uh. It ain't no time for jokes. So if we can find a way we can bond together and, like, get to our joke place, okay, cool. Otherwise, our oh, dog, it's going to get so tense. It gets so tense already. Already, bro. Already. 
People putting out these damn books. You know what I'm saying? Like all this stuff. No, no, man. It's gonna be a little it's gonna be a little tight. I got enough tight in my life as it is. I don't need to be out here looking for it. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. Can a company effectively address racism through ads the way Gillette address how we define masculinity? Of course a company can do that. Um, the question is, and this is what I can't tell about the Gillette thing, because there were absolutely men who were furious. You know, Gillette put out this viral ad that very directly addressed, you know, the issues that surround uh, the Me Too movement and said that we need to teach men to do better. Like it directly attacked toxic masculinity. And of course, there's people that had bad things to say about that. I don't really have a great gauge of what proportion of people responded that way because all it takes is a couple people on the internet to be extrapolated and made into something else. I really don't know how many they are. I thought the ad was bold. I like, I thought it was obviously on the side of right. Um, I... I don't know how you measure effectiveness, though. Because I believe that's what the question is, right? Is like whether somebody can do something on racism that's effective. Yeah, can effectively address racism through the ad. See, I think they effectively address address that, uh, the toxic masculinity stuff in the Gillette ad, just because it was so clear what they were talking about. They didn't leave anything to chance there. They very explicitly dealt with what, like, the matters are. Speaking of that, I was watching the Law and Order Marathon the other day, and I promise this ties in. But I was watching the Law and Order Marathon, and it was an episode where the assistant district attorney, basically the defendant was some judge and the ADA at the time. She was trying to recuse herself from the case, but her boss wouldn't let her. And then eventually she had to tell the boss she recused herself because she had had an affair with that dude. And the dude was on trial for harassing a woman who turned down his advances. And so she had like a story that was in line similar to that. And the judge tried to, you know, all all kinds of stuff that was related to that. But she made the point of basically, if you go through and watch episodes of Law and Order, you will realize how much stuff we have actually kind of sort of been talking about for a long time. Like so much stuff just comes back up. In an ep- like through episodes of Law and Order over like the 20 years that Law and Order was on. Anyway, how do you measure whether that Gillette ad was effective? Like as a company, I guess you would measure it if you derive some level of capital from where you stand on the issue. You know, like if that's what they're going for, okay. Um, I doubt that they were expecting to get like a bump in the stock price or anything like that. And also, this isn't like Colin Kaepernick, where I feel like the image of Colin Kaepernick could help Nike sell more shoes in a way that this is not necessarily going to help Gillette sell more razors. Though, as I noticed from something that Chrissy Teigen has said on Twitter, they may see a spike in sales of male razors to women. As I didn't realize this, but the razors for men are cheaper and women often find them to be more effective. Yeah. Cold world. Then they call it a pink tax. You look it up. So how would a company effectively do a similar ad on racism? I don't think that a company could directly attack racism as directly as the Me Too 
I mean, the, excuse me, the Gillette ad dealt with that issue of toxic masculinity. Like, there's a scene in there where a dude walks up behind a woman at an office and grabs her butt, you know, like, like that kind of stuff. Like, like I said, they left nothing to chance there. I'm not sure how that goes over if you do that about race. I don't. I'm also not sure what the company is to do it. Because the thing about Gillette and the way they did it is like the idea, the shaving as an act is so directly tied to masculinity. You know, like the idea is that, you know, as you go through this journey of becoming a man, one milestone in becoming a man is when you like learn how to shave or need to shave. So there was very much so a direct brand tie to what they were doing because what they do ultimately sell is manhood, is masculinity. I don't know how exactly you do that on race in a similar fashion. Now, I suppose almost any company could do it because while this was about manhood and that is tied to the brand, it didn't have anything really directly to do with the product. So maybe somebody could do it, but I'm not quite sure how. Somebody over there mentioned that Kylie Jenner Pepsi ad. Like, yeah, no, no, no. This this Gillette ad is like the opposite of that. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. One dude put like three questions in his one question. You know, damn well I ain't going to answer that. Y'all are here. <laughs> I bet y'all know what questions I'm laughing at if y'all can see it, but maybe you asked it. Given the large amount of public receipts available to that point to his innocence, are you surprised we're getting a Michael Jackson child abuse documentary or is people's perception of his guilt all that matters? Um, I can't speak on this until I actually see what is presented in the documentary. I don't know because HBO and somebody else is doing a Michael Jackson documentary that alleges that there are children that he abused. Um, and I don't know who the kids are that they are talking about in this particular film. I do admit that seeing the HBO name on it leads me to believe going in that there is perhaps a certain measure of credibility to this doc. Now, the thing I say, and I talk to people about going in this, the cases where Michael Jackson has been publicly and famously accused of abusing children. I think that if you read up on them, it's pretty clear he did not do what he was accused of. And it ain't like the Santa Barbara County district attorney was trying to take it easy on Michael Jackson. That man was coming for him. Mike made a song about him. Like they came for him and they did not get him. It was not there. Um, so I don't like I'm I don't feel comfortable saying what is or isn't in that documentary without having seen it. But yes, I am surprised that somebody would kind of go back there. Um, but what do we do if they got something? Like what is it? If they got something, then what you gonna do? And hell, for all I know, they might. I am, I mean, I do, as much as I think that HBO doing it implies a certain level of credibility, I am skeptical, though. This is, I feel like we've been down this road before and it hadn't happened. 
Appreciate the question. Y'all keep asking about coming to America too in a place where I can't put your question on the screen. Oh, here we go. Coming to America too. You in or out? I am 100% out. Totally out. There is no way coming to America too would make me happy. There is no way coming to America too could live up to whatever standards that we have placed on it. It's just not possible. It can't be done. We're setting ourselves up to be hurt. Like I will probably watch it simply so I can participate in the conversation. Um, I'm also not sure how exactly you make a movie like that in like 2019. Like I don't, I, we might be a little too woke for that right there. Maybe just maybe a little bit too woke. But I'm going to watch it. I mean, I don't need to go back and relive everything I love from my childhood, man. Like, I just don't. I don't. And I just wish they start coming up with more new stuff. Somebody said, pull the Wakanda dashikis back out. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Like, I see the argument that maybe it might have been a little bit insulting. Like, yeah, I found it. I think people went way over the top of Black Panther. But I feel like you're really tripping if you were a Dashiki to go see to go see Come to America and watch Eddie Murphy. Like, although I guess they I guess they wasn't really but so many real live Africans in uh Black Panther neither. I don't know. Appreciate the question. Let me see what we got here. Somebody, I saw that. Actually, I'll, I'll put it on screen to answer it just so everybody can feel included. How much money do you really need to earn yearly to be comfortable in New York City? The answer, more. More. Like, in all likelihood, if you were paying attention to this conversation, the answer is more. Like, especially if you want to get yourself to a place where you can get a two-bedroom more. All right, let me see what else we got here. Let me see what else we got here. Let me see what else we got here. Somebody says, same as everywhere. Sir, Cooley, I don't know where you live, but this ain't the same as everywhere. You can make the argument that it's like the same as the Bay Area. But it ain't the same as everywhere. I know a lot, Cooley. I'm like, I'm not even trying to play you right now. I'm just asking the question. Where do you live and where are you from? Like, I just really want to know because I can really help you understand this. If you tell me where you live and where you from. Because this is a different monster up here and look i'm saying this to you as a person that's not like super duper affected by it but i see what this place do to people come on coolie where you at you hear me where you live bro i ain't trying to play you i'm just trying to help you georgia okay so not even atlanta 
Not even Atlanta. Just Georgia. Oh, bruh. You have no idea. No lie. I'm going to ask you a serious question, Cooley. I'm, I'm like, I'm being real with you right now. How much you pay a month for rent? For how many bedrooms? How many bathrooms? Like, I just want to hear the number that you say. Come on, Cooley. All right, Cooley going to come back. I'm not even trying to play you. I just want to hear what you say. Okay. While I'm not trying to play you, I am entertaining the possibility. Okay, here we go. My man say he pays six twenty five for a two bedroom, one bath, and you think that it, you think New York is like everywhere else? I'm not even playing with you right now. What you describe right there, like I don't know how nice your place is or is not, because you didn't say where in Georgia, but that is a few thousand dollars a month. Six twenty-five, man. Listen, I tell you, by the time I came up here to help somebody look for an apartment many, many years ago, and so, uh, this wasn't my place. I was helping somebody else find a place, but with this place finding, they're trying to stay below like seven fifty. This is in two thousand seven. They're trying to stay below like seven fifty. Okay, now. Trying to stay below 750 in New York City was possible, certainly ambitious, but it was also really, really risky. So had a broker, and that dude showing around the places for $750. And you want to talk about coming to America? It was like them kind of spots. Like, yo, it's got one window facing a brick wall. Used to rent it to a blind man. Like, it was those kind of spots. Come out the last spot, got stopped and frisked. No lie. Got stopped and frisked. Went with her to the McDonald's up the street, and she just broke down crying. Because it was like 750 You come up to New York City talking about, I'm trying to find me a place for $625 a month. You can get a place, but you ain't going to be by yourself. And, I, and, like, I ain't really talking about roommate. Like, it, like it'll be roommate in a much more traditional sense. Like, roommate, like, in college, because y'all in the same room. Somebody, 625, somebody talking about a studio. Where you getting a studio for 625 in New York? That's the thing, man. You'd be amazed how many people here is just trying to work their way up to get to a one-bedroom. Forget about the two. Just to, and I'm talking about people with, like, actual jobs trying to get up to a one-bedroom. Cooley. Where in Georgia, Cooley? Did Cooley ever say where in Georgia? <laughs> I said my 658 paying for a studio. Maybe the S, but you're not getting the studio. <laughs> the same as everywhere else. Say what you want about New York. It ain't the same as nothing. People just throwing out their little spots in Georgia. Look, man, it's been a while since I looked for an apartment in, in, in the city. I just tell you this. Amy, ain't that many, ain't too many nice places in Atlanta that you get no six video, no two bedroom, one bath. Or you might get a nice place, but it ain't in a nice place to be. 
Yeah, you know what? Yeah, about 45 minutes. That's 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 about what y'all pay for. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on the Evening Jones. Try to do this thing here once a week or so, give or take. My man Lance Gilliam handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Remember, if you can't watch the Evening Jones live, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the iTunes store, subscribe at Stitcher Radio. Check us out at SoundCloud. Also find us at the Google Play Store. I'll probably talk to you guys next week. Take it easy.